Hey there, oddballs. In the paranormal news, we actually got a very Mother's Day themed story to share with you guys about the ghost of a grandma checking on her grandson. As well, I also have a story about haunted dolls that keep washing up in Texas on beaches. This is just going to be an awesome paranormal news. Remember, folks, if it's odd to you, it's on the odd to Newfoundland. It's the odd, odd, odd to Newfoundland. Ghostly greetings from your host, Jonathan. Mysteries, ghosts, monsters, and lore. East Coast esoterica and so much more. If it's up to you, friend, it's on the up to you, found line. <laughs> Ghostly greetings from the oldest city in North America. I'm your host, John Maller, bringing you the best in East Coast esoterica. You, my friend, have stumbled upon the Odd Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Welcome to episode 196 of your favorite monthly paranormal variety show. And having you here is better than, get this, filming my first ever paranormal TV show in Halifax this last week. Oh, it was so cool. And also me and my wife celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary, which was kind of romantic and awesome. Ate a lot of weird stuff. Why? Why is it better than all that? Because you're wonderful. A masterpiece. Beautifully made. Important to people because you're important to me. Highly favored by your creator or the law of averages and physics working in tandem. You, my friend, are an oddball. And on this show, you're family. And we are one. First and foremost, just want to say thank you so very, very much for taking the time out of your busy life to get a little bit weird with me. Yeah, that's right. It's the paranormal news and schmooze, which means that I'm going to get you guys up to date with what's going on in my little world and then bring you guys a lovely, just incredible Mother's Day bouquet, so to speak. It is May. A Mother's Day bouquet of just paranormal stuff. Popery, if you will. <laughs> I had the best couple of weeks, man. Honestly, I got a random email they said they wanted me for TV in Halifax. They're going to fly me. They're going to pay for my hotel. And they're going to let me be on a new show that's going to come out very, very soon. I'm not allowed to say what the show's name is. I'm not allowed to talk about anything that was talked about on the show. So I'm going to leave it at that with you guys. But when it does come out, I'm going to help promote it as well as have a bunch of the cast on as guests. Oh, man, it was so cool. And just a dream come true to actually be in a professional studio. I have... Been on TV before a couple times, but uh, and did some TV tapings and stuff like that for various things in my past. But I've never actually, well, walked into like a haunted location and been filmed. Oh man, what a dream come true! And uh, working with everybody there was so much fun. Everyone was so nice and so cordial. It was awesome, and uh, I even got complimented on my acting chops, which is nice because you know. Lately, it's been a lot of pork chops. <laughs> Maybe too many. Uh, I'm rubbing my huge stomach right now. You just can't see it. Yeah, the camera adds on 10 pounds and not being able to work out for like the last five months has gained a hell of a lot more than 10. <laughs> and a special shout out to my special mother, of course, Brenda. You don't listen to my show, but that's okay. 
just want to say happy Mother's Day to you. I know it's next Sunday and stuff, but, you know, there won't be a show out between now and then. So happy Mother's Day to her. Happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife, who I just celebrated 10 years married with. We've been together for almost 15, but man, 10 years of marriage. We, we, we lived it up in Halifax. We decided to stay a couple extra days and celebrate. We had lots of ritzy dinners, and I got to feed all my you know, addictions such as delicious food and casino gambling. Oh my God. Don't tell her this, but I may have, may have not. I may or may have not spent a mortgage payment and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we had a great time and she actually suckered me into eating some seafood. Like I'm not a big fan of seafood at all, but like I was eating oysters and, 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 and weird stuff, lobster and I had some mussels. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I mean, you're in Halifax. you got to have some of the seafood. You're literally right on the sea. It's very similar to Newfoundland in a lot of ways. But, uh, you know, it was just an awesome experience. I really, really loved it. And uh, I had so much fun. And, and I was thinking about you guys the whole time I was there, man. I was like, wow, I, I can't wait to get back and, and talk a little bit, vague book you, if you will, about the filming experience. But, uh, you know, to kind of gush about how awesome my wife really is. She, she, she's incredible. And, uh, you know, to give you an example of, of different kinds of supports, there, there's people in life who support you by, like, encouraging you. And then there's people like my wife who support me by staying out of my way and letting me do what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty much personified as she waited in the parking lot with me for four hours while film was delayed, doing nothing but going on her phone, wondering when this is going to be over. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I can't say enough good things about that experience and, and also the fun I had with her. I, I'm, I'm in a great mood. I'm a little tired. You could probably tell my, my, my two fosters right now are, unfortunately, they both got COVID-19. So I'm kind of having to self-isolate. I had all my fun last week and now I'm going to be stuck inside this week coming. Uh, and, like, I looked at the clock and I realized, oh, my God, sure, tomorrow's the first. I, I got to get this out. I got to get some paranormal news done. And, uh, you know, <laughs> for anybody out there who's joining me now... Uh, thank you so much once again for downloading the show. Remember, if you want to support me and the show, buymeacoffee.com slash O-T-N-P-P. What does that stand for? Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. Buymeacoffee.com slash Odd to Newfoundland Paranormal Podcast. O-T-N-P-P. You get on there. You get on there. And you can donate five bucks. Buy me a coffee. Your little way of saying thanks so much for the content, John. We love hearing from you every second week now. And uh, this has been going well. It's been consistent. I can't believe it's still happening, but it is. Um, once again, I haven't changed the amount of content I give you guys. I've just spaced it out a little bit. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm finding, it, finding it more fun to record like this because I haven't got to focus on so much. I can just kind of zone in on this and get kind of lost in it all. So thanks so much for being there with all that. I have had just a wonderful couple of weeks, but the time has come to fill your ears full of weird paranormal stuff and, you know, seems how it's Mother's Day. I think we'll start with something a little Mother's Day themed, but first, <laughs> we got to switch gears, right? It's time for the paranormal news. <laughs> Somewhere between the funnies <laughs> and, and the obituaries is... Oh, yes. The paranormal news. <laughs> oh, Mother's Day, a true sign of spring. All the lovely things are happening in our lives. 
birds are coming out and, and people are meeting anew, perhaps starting new romances for the summer. <sighs> it's lovely, isn't it? I'll tell you what isn't lovely, though. How about being creeped out when your two-year-old keeps waving at the ghost of your dead grandmother? Oh, boy. Parents have shared the bizarre moment they caught their two-year-old son waving at the ghost of his dead great-grandmother, leaving them feeling rather creeped out. It's no secret that children sometimes say and do the creepiest things. Like, I'm telling you, my kids are no exception. But that's a story for another time. Take, for instance, how we've seen one child previously told his mom all about his past life and where he claimed to remember dying and stuff like that. I've talked about that on the show. And now another tot has left their parents totally spooked as they believe they caught him waving at the ghost of his dead grandmother. Happy Mother's Day from beyond the grave, folks. Jamie Bonet initially thought his two-year-old son, Loki Bonet, was simply pointing at a lampshade as he settled him to sleep <laughs> in his and Stacy McGivillary's bed earlier this month. However, footage of the evening shows the little boy looking puzzled before his face breaks out in a big grin and he starts waving at an empty corner of the room and laughing and waving. Because, you know, that's kind of normal, right? Loki then starts repeatedly saying hi as Dad Jamie laughs and asks, Who are you saying hi to? The 30-year-old has since revealed he thinks Loki saw his dead great-grandmother, Isabel Mathers, who he was really close to until she died from cancer at age 87 earlier this year. He claims that Loki is very shy and never says hello to anyone except for family. And Isabel tells him, oh boy, she'd be looking out for them after in the afterlife. So there you go. Nan kind of said, I'll be there to hang out. Stacy 25 says she finds it comforting to think Isabel's watching over them. But Tesco worker Jamie admits he has, he, he, he was totally creeped out. <laughs> Let's be honest. And he thought a night like to sleep with for a few days afterwards might be nice for the child. And since then, he's kind of put it in his own room, though. <laughs> I don't blame him. He said, it's clear he was pointing to someone over in the corner and saying hi. He's very shy, so we won't say hi to anyone unless they're family. This is why we think it might be her. The way he was smiling and waving, the only person we could think of would be Stacy's grandmother. She's just passed away quite recently, and he was very close with her. I wouldn't say I believed in spiritual things before, but my beliefs have changed a wee bit here. It's nice knowing that maybe there is something after life, <laughs> and maybe she was there just watching over him. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know... Which is, a, which is a nice thought. It really is. That's a nice Mother's Day thought. Then there's also the weirdness of it of, so if they're watching over this, are they watching over us showering? Are they watching over us who's the bathroom? Dude, I feel so creeped out. <laughs> uh, and the creepiness just keeps coming because in Texas, yeah, they're having a little problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something's haunted. Something weird's going on, guys. There's creepy dolls, and they keep washing up on the shoreline as locals fear, quote-unquote, they could be haunted. Scientists who regularly visit a Texas beach for research say they found more than 30 dolls during the survey of the 40-mile coastline for turtles, marine mammals, and endangered bird species. Creepy dolls keep washing up on the same beach, but no one knows where they come from or what the heck they're doing there. Scientists who regularly visit this beach are totally spooked, They've been left spooked after finding dozens of these dolls washed up at a time. Chase Tunnel from the University of Texas Marine Science Institute said they visit the beach twice a week and keep finding these dolls. Speaking to the news, Mr. Tunnel said, We're actually doing scientific work, but the dolls are just a perk, a very weird perk that we're kind of creeped out by. <laughs> the team combs the 40-mile stretch of shoreline to survey the coast for turtles, in particular marine mammals and endangered bird species. It's research, but also a way to help. 
Tunnel, who is the director of the Mission Arizans Reserve, says their Facebook page has actually gone viral after they uploaded some pictures of these dolls. Said they found at least 30 of them before they started sharing the team's finding online. Could this be contributing to some of the lower? Could this be contributing to some of the lower numbers of turtles in the area, though? He said every day is something new. Just when you think you found everything that could possibly wash up on shore, something else comes up. The creepiest are the ones that have lost all their hair. <laughs> Just lovely. The first one we had found was actually a sex doll. The head of it, anyway. I posted a picture and didn't realize what it was. We got a lot of followers on the page after that one. I bet. <laughs> In some of the pictures they have shared online, the dolls are just a head and and others appear their limbs have been chewed on. Astonishingly, though, the first doll head they found in January 2021, which was bought by a member of the public, for $2,700. The money they made, oh my God, the money they made from it was donated to sea rescue programs that the team now hopes to sell the rest of their creepy doll collection at the reserve's annual fundraising auction. Because, you know, nothing is, you know, better than a genuine, creepy, weird doll we tried to unearth as we tried to save turtles. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh God, let me tell you. It's getting to the point where we can't do anything without being in danger, right? What if I told you a woman was rescued after falling in a toilet while trying to retrieve a phone at the top of Mount Walker in Washington State? Oh, boy, this is... I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> it's just a terrible story, but I loved it anyway. The woman was left feeling flushed, so to speak, as she was strongly encouraged to seek medical attention due to being exposed to human waste. Oh, God. She had to be rescued by firefighters after she fell into this toilet while trying to find her mobile phone that had accidentally been dropped into it. <laughs> the woman, who was not named, was at the top of the Mount Walker in the Olympic National Forest, northwest of Seattle, Washington State, when the incident occurred near a car park. <laughs> she had been using her phone when it suddenly fell into a vault toilet, according to the Kitsap Sun. The vault toilet is a non-flush toilet, which is constructed with a vault or sealed container that is buried very deep down into the ground. Britain Fire Department Chief Tim Manley said the woman, aged in her 40s, managed to take the toilet seat off and use <laughs> and use dog leads. <laughs> uh, try to get the phone with. <laughs> she... <laughs> so she's trying. She's trying to fish her phone out with with dog leads, which are, you know are just a different form of a. Of a... Uh, a leash, really. When this didn't work, she used the leash to tie herself to the toilet as she reached for it. But this resulted in her falling in at first. Uh, Mr. Manley said they didn't work well, and in she went. <laughs> he had the woman tried to get out for 10 to 15 minutes as she was on her own. She then called 911 after being reunited with her phone down in the toilet. Firefighters passed her blocks to stand on to reach a harness when they arrived and pulled her out of the vault. The fire department added that she said she was uninjured in Tuesday's incident, thankfully. After being washed down, the department said she was strongly encouraged to seek medical attention after being exposed to human waste, but she only wanted to leave. She, <laughs> Mr. Manley said, I've been doing this for 40 years, and that was a first. <laughs> Let me tell you, it might be a first, but she was definitely having fun in the seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I said it. Gross. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, Deadpool, you're so silly. Everybody loves Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds, right? Everybody loves Ryan Reynolds. I can not love Ryan Reynolds. One of my favorite Ryan Reynolds movies was actually Waiting. Oh, my God. Watch that before you go to a restaurant, and you'll be just absolutely mind-missed. <laughs> like, 
horrible movie, but really funny. And, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds is no uh, stranger to weirdness and doing strange things. But anyway, there's this, like, guy named Rob McKelleny, and he actually made a urinal for his own birthday. And this was just hilarious. The Hollywood stars bought the club back in, like, February of 2021, okay? So they're business partners on this thing. And uh, he actually gifted him a commemorative urinal. <laughs> Reynolds posted a video on Twitter of himself in the toilet wishing his co-owner a happy 45th birthday. He cut a small ribbon revealing a gold plaque <laughs> with McIllary's face on it and popped the bottle publicly. Alongside his face, the plaque was inscribed with his name and birth date and has been placed above a urinal in a bathroom block at the race course ground. The plaque reads... This journal is dedicated to Robert McHenry on his birthday, April 14th, with love from Wrexham AFC, paid for by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> in the video, Reynolds delivered a speech while emotional music played in the background, and then he flushed the toilet. Today, we commemorate a man, not just any man, Mr. Co-Chairman Robert Lucidon McHenry, with his memorial urinal. <laughs> Uh, now, McKellery is no stranger to TV, though. He's actually the creator-producer of the long-running American TV series, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, in which he also stars. So there you go. <laughs> Great. It's like, what an awesome gift to give someone. The gift of your face being whizzed on. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Nothing warms my heart more than a good old-fashioned pet story. And this one is kind of really, really cool. Okay, there's a cat nicknamed One-Eyed Joe by the prison staff found in a shipping container, an offshore oil rig, five years after he vanished. The cat, whose real name is Dexter, has been flown back to the Scottish mainland after being discovered by bamboozled workers. The adventurous feline was found in the shipping container by bamboozled workers and flown back to the Scottish mainland by helicopter last Friday. His microchip was subsequently checked by staff from the Scottish SPCA. I'm asking the cat's true identity as Dexter. <laughs> it's also emerged that he'd been living as a stray around Peterhead Prison and Aberdeenshire in recent years. Dexter had even earned the nickname One-Eyed Joe from the prison staff who kept him fed and watered, which kind of explains a lot. Amy Finley, an animal rescue officer at the SPCA, admitted she had no idea how the cat ended up in the container, though. She said, we're so glad that he was well looked after for the time he was missing, but we're even more delighted to be able to reunite him with his original owner, thanks to his microchip being up to date. This is another thing, too. You know, I'll just take the opportunity here. This is a weird, weird encounter. But anyone who finds an, an, like an animal who's injured or in distress, like, please call your locals, you know, SPCA guys. It's, it's really, really important. And the phone number is just a quick Google away. Everyone's got an SPCA in the area. Don't let these poor animals uh, pass away. Or, you know, they might just wind up in the shipping container. <laughs> That's also a possibility. <laughs> okay, time to get some Bigfoot news out of the way. And, you know, Trent University... Yeah, that's right. Good old Canadian Trent. They've actually got a Sasquatch society now, and it boasts some 140 fellow Squatch hunters. The Trent University Sasquatch Society is an official student club devoted to researching, learning, and finding Sasquatch around Peterborough, Ontario. Squatchers Allison Adam, Ryan Willis, and Sabrina Marie 
strike a Bigfoot pose as I read this article. Sabrina Marie is hovering over a pile of feces trying to figure out who left it there. She suspects a dog or a raccoon and is quick to rule it out as Sasquatch scat. I'm assuming it would be much larger than that, she said. <laughs> Marie would know she's in charge of social media for the Trent University Squatch Society, an official club with some 140 Squatchers actually registered. It's registered with the school student union as well, sandwiched between other groups like Trent Conservatives, the Badminton Club, and Model Union. <laughs> I've been really interested in otherworldly stuff in cryptozoology, so I thought it was an awesome opportunity, said Marie, a fourth-year biology student at the school located in Peterborough, Ontario, 68 kilometers northeast of Toronto. The society, now about a year old, is devoted, actually devoted to searching for signs of the mythic beast, Sasquatch himself, also known, of course, as Bigfoot, he has been long mentioned in indigenous oral history and is often depicted as a giant, hairy, ape-like animal. And, you know, walking upright in the forest, primarily in the Pacific Northwest, but discounted and totally debunked by scientists at every step of the way. Society members go out on explorations, though, trudging to the woods to follow up on tips they get. There's a learning component, too, meeting online for weekly Q&As with Sasquatch researchers and enthusiasts like the cast of Animal Planet's Finding Bigfoot series. Recently, the group searched a swamp outside Peterborough, where club founder and president Ryan Willis was told mysterious footprints were actually found. He brings a stick to knock on trees and try to elicit a response as well as a portable Bigfoot noisemaker to reference any howls, snorts, roars, or groans he may hear. His eyes are peeled for oversized tracks or peculiar tree structures. <laughs> These guys are very, very professional in their way. A lot of the experts we talk to say actually the same thing, and we should keep returning to the same areas, which is kind of interesting. We've actually mapped out or mapped out a small area over the last year, really, and we keep getting reports. I probably prefer to call it Sasquatch because I think that's the kind of sound most people, you know, kind of like, and it, it sounds more professional than, you know, ha-ha, Bigfoot. But he's yet to spot anything truly suspicious, and the recent swamp search didn't turn up a thing. That's no surprise to Trent Anthropology Professor Professor Eugene Morin, who scoffs at the notion Sasquatch are trudging through our forests. In terms of ecology, it doesn't make much sense, he said. I think it's fun, he said, about the society's mission. It's probably entertaining, but it's like UFOs. I think UFOs, in my opinion, are more likely to be real, though. And, uh, you know, that doesn't deter Willis. He questions why people who claim they've seen something would risk speaking out. There's a lot of stigma around coming out and saying you saw Sasquatch, he said. Talking to those who had encounters, he keeps believing and seeing more and more evidence that truly may be pointing towards a large, hairy, bipedal hominid. It's murkier for other society members, though, like Allison Adam, a third-year business student who recently joined. I'm not ruling out. I'd maybe have to see one to really know for sure, though. No reports. Don't bother searching, according to them. Matthew Moneymaker, one of the hosts of Finding Bigfoot, was intrigued when he was asked to speak to the Trent group. He only knows one other school society dedicated to searching for the legendary beast at the University of Virginia. He hopes they take off in more places now. And finally, we can all get together to figure it out. Is there truly a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, a mountain man? Is he real? Is it possible? Ah... I know one thing. If I was in university and I was getting credit for this, I would love to find Bigfoot as part of that society. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> all right, time to clue it up. Let's do one more story. How about we're all doomed? <laughs> Look, I'm just going to say this to everybody out there, okay? 
I believe in aliens. I think they're out there. You know, by definition, they would have to be possible if we're possible because science is all about repeatable data. All the building blocks in our universe are out there. There's no reason to think there is an intelligent life out there somewhere, okay? But that doesn't mean I think we should be ringing the dinner bell. I mean, <clears throat> letting them know we're here. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. Blasting out Earth's location with the hope of reaching aliens is a pretty controversial idea, really. And now two teams of scientists are doing it anyway, despite others. If a person is lost in the wilderness, they have two options. They can search for the civilization, or they can make themselves kind of easy to spot by building a fire and writing, help me, in big letters. For scientists interested in the question of whether intelligent aliens actually exist, the options are pretty well the same. For over 70 years, astronomers have been scanning for radio or optical signals from other civilizations in search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Now, SETI, most scientists are confident SETI, are, you know, it's actually being used properly. And that life actually exists on one of the many 300 million potentially habitable worlds in the Milky Way galaxy. Astronomers also think there's a decent chance some life forms have developed intelligence and technology like us, but no signals from another civilization have ever been detected, a mystery that is called the Great Silence. While SETI has long been a part of mainstream science, METI, or messaging extraterrestrial intelligence, has been less common. I'm a professor of astronomy who has written extensively about the search for life in the universe. I also serve on the advisory council for a nonprofit research organization that's designing messages to send extraterrestrial civilizations. In the coming months, two teams of astronomers are going to send messages into space in an attempt to communicate with any intelligent aliens who may be out there actually listening for us. These efforts are kind of like building a big bonfire in the woods and hoping someone finds you if you're lost. But some people question whether it is wise to do this at all. Early attempts to contact life off Earth were, you know, kind of quixotic messages in a bottle. Like, they made not much sense at all. You know, in 1972, NASA launched the Pioneer 10 spacecraft toward Jupiter carrying a plaque with a line drawing of a man and a woman and symbols to show where the craft originated. In 1977, NASA followed this up with the famous golden record attached to the Voyager 1 spacecraft. These spacecraft, as well as their twins, Pioneer 11 and Voyager 2, have now all left the solar system. But the immensity of space, the odds that these or any other physical objects will be found, are fantastically minuscule. Electromagnetic radiation is a much more effective beacon, though, and astronomers beamed the first radio message designed for alien ears from the Arecibo Observatory back in Puerto Rico in 74. The series of eyes and O's was designed to convey simple information about humanity and biology and was sent towards the globular cluster M13. In addition to these purposeful attempts at sending messages to aliens, wayward signals from television and radio broadcasts, even this podcast right now, have been leaking into space for nearly a century. This ever-expanding bubble of earthly babble has already reached millions of stars, but there is a big difference between a focused blast of radio waves from a giant telescope and a diffuse leakage. The weak signal from a show like I Love Lucy fades below the hum of radiation left from the Big Bang soon after it leaves the solar system, unfortunately. So what do you guys think? Is this a sign of, of ethics to come, so to speak? I don't think we're alone in the universe, man. I think it's really possible that there's somebody out there listening, just like I am right now with my headphones on, and they're thinking to themselves, hmm, maybe we should go check out this Earth planet. 
What's this Oscars you hear of? And why are people assaulting each other? I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm only allowed to do one Will Smith joke a week now. It's kind of a thing. But in all seriousness, though, are we really doing something that's ethically smart here? We put out these SETI signals, these MEDI signals, these, these signals out in deep space. Basically, we're fishing. <laughs> we're fishing with a pole that we have no idea what's going to be on the other end of it. And we're going to reel it into us. We're going to bring it to us. And what happens if it wants to, like, oh, I don't know, eat us, eradicate us? I don't know, experiment on us? I, I mean, I can't get, oh, <laughs> uh, I can't drop the whole stigma, you know, of why would they want to come here if anything other than to destroy us and take our resources? <sighs> it's hard to say. It's hard to say. You know, I think this month's Paranormal News has made me think a lot. Remember, guys, we had all kinds of wonderful stories, some really, really weird ones. You know, we kind of celebrated Mother's Day with the whole grandma ghost. And then we kind of talked about creepy dolls washing up on shores. And yeah, that poor woman in Washington State who fell in the toilet. You know, it was just unfortunate. It wasn't really odd. I just think it was funny. Ryan, Will Ryan Reynolds kind of, you know, having the upper hand here. <laughs> and flushing out the other stories, so to speak, by donating a urinal to his famous friend. And put a plaque on it with his name. I thought that was so funny. Like, such a Ryan Reynolds thing to do. A cat named Joe who wound up in a shipping container five years after Advantage got brought back to its owner, which I thought was a wonderful story. There's also this other one we did. Students are searching. They actually are searching in a society. And they're searching the swamps for Sasquatch from Trent University. That was a really cool story. And of course, the last story we just reported on, which is we're pretty much ringing the dinner bell for E.T. to come eat us and kill us all. Ah, all these stories have been odd to Newfoundland.